The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. So welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, Kurt. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate you having me down. Before we get started on your IT issues and accomplishments and priorities and maybe a few heartaches along the way in the Bay State, let me just say how uh, really glad I am to have someone here in the studio from my native Massachusetts. As we were commenting on the walk in here, it's been 25 years since Governor Weld appointed me as state CIO in, in Massachusetts, and arguably... I was the first CIO in the country at that time. And that's, of course, where we first met. So again, Kurt, welcome. Why don't you tell us why you're in D.C., first of all? Well, John, uh, I made a trip down here today. Uh, I was meeting with some folks from the Department of Homeland Security and the Cybersecurity Division, along with uh, another comrade from uh, Massachusetts, come down uh, for the day to visit with them and chat about some ongoing initiatives we have with them and some planning we're uh, in the process of doing on cybersecurity-related issues. Well, let's talk about your route to the state CIO's office. My previous guests, their backgrounds, they've been all over the place. Careers in the technology sector, in the Air Force. Ed Toner from Nebraska worked uh, at at TD Ameritrade with his governor. And uh, North Carolina's Eric Boyette was the Department of Motor Vehicle Director in North Carolina. And our last guest, Pennsylvania John McMillan, he was in tech support at the Canadian Department of Defense. So so tell us about your career before your appointment by my old boss, your current boss, Charlie Baker, well, I guess almost a year ago, right? Maybe not quite. Your background's quite unique, too, Kurt. You're the first CIO, as far as I know, who was a correctional officer, a captain, if I recall correctly, and more than just a prison guard, participated on some task forces that were pretty interesting. Tell us about your career. Well, John, uh, as you mentioned, I started as a uh, state correction officer in 1974, uh, working in one of our state correctional facilities and uh, spent about 23 years with the Department of Correction, uh, earning the rank up through captain and commanding of the, uh, the governor's violent fugitive uh, rest squad uh, and moved on to retirement. Uh, did about three or four years of consulting. And uh, right after 9-11, uh, the state was uh, retooling some of their services and uh, they called me back and asked if I'd be interested to come back to run our Department of Criminal Justice Information Services. So at first I said, no, thanks, I'm doing very well in retirement. And uh, they kept, they called me again. And the job at the time, you know, was a little bit different than I had known. Uh, so I became very interested. So I took them up. I said, well, I'll come back for a year. I'll help you out, build this new organization. Uh, but I'm gone after that. Well, it's been about 18 years later, and I'm uh, still uh, banging away at the state. Uh, since that time, I've had the opportunity to kind of form a couple new organizations, one being our Department of Criminal Justice Information Services. I was the commissioner there for several years. And then in 2011, I was promoted to the Undersecretary of Forensic Science and Technology, where I had the pleasure of overseeing the state crime laboratory system, uh, the chief medical examiner's office, and our state 911 department. I was able to implement uh, next generation 911 throughout the Commonwealth of Mass. I got involved in the IT space from from an executive uh, level, uh, working with this uh, state IT organization, uh, Governor Baker came in in 2015, uh, you know, did a uh, little bit of a change in the administration. Uh, I was at public safety at the time, uh, 
and then get an opportunity to work with the uh, my incumbent, uh, my previous the previous person, I should say, uh, to uh, form this new organization. So that's how I uh, got down this road. You know, the fashion of late has bring to bring in uh, CIOs from the private sector through the proverbial nationwide search, as we're so familiar with in Boston, I guess, on the, from mm-hmm. Howie Carr and others up there. Yeah. Um, how did your selection process uh, work? Uh, you know, you, you've known the governor for some time, right? Yes, I have. I uh, had the opportunity back in the 90s when he was Secretary of uh, Health and Human Services, Secretary of Administration and Finance, uh, you know, had the opportunity to work uh, with him. I didn't really know him, uh, but got an opportunity to work with him when he was at A&F and Human Services. Uh, when he got elected, uh, again, I was at an executive level position, our executive office, public safety and security. Uh, got to meet him again, uh, worked some projects together, uh, gave us the opportunity, and he was a huge supporter of technology when he came back into uh, state service in 2015, uh, created this new organization. Uh, like I said, the, 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 the previous uh, person in this position, I got to know him uh, very well. We had the uh, same interests, same objectives. That was Nunnally, right? That's Mark Nunnally, yes. Yeah. So he came from the private sector, uh, former Bain Capital Managing Director, came in with a, with a, with a mandate uh, to improve the IT services of the Commonwealth. Uh, I aligned early with him from public safety. I oversaw all the public safety in the Commonwealth, uh, all the IT. <clears throat> and I got an opportunity to work with Mark, and we, we struck a, uh, a great relationship up, a relationship up, and uh, started looking at the landscape. And you know that's how we get the made the uh, transition over. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely want to ask you a little bit more about your relationship with the governor, as I believe, you know, that having that executive champion is one of the two most critical aspects of setting up an environment for success as a state CIO. Um, I quipped with a recent guest, New Hampshire's Chief Information Officer, Dennis Goulet. Good guy. We, we, were, we spoke regarding his decades of girls' soccer officiating, believe it or not. And we said that I kind of joked with him. I said that refereeing girls' soccer taught him everything he needed to know, to know about being a state CIO. Uh, with M- McMillan from Pennsylvania, it was his hockey background. But how has your criminal justice background been helpful in managing statewide IT? Well, I think uh, where, where it comes from is that uh, I was an early user of IT back in the uh, 70s and 80s. I remember the old days when I was an operational person and uh, was a big user of the systems. And we always struggled with the systems. And it was always uh, the data systems we had in the prison system or even the in law enforcement were really managed by uh, the, the MIS mentality. It was really kind of – we used to refer to it as the bunker mentality – you know, and we would yeah. have the we'd have the you know we'd have the green screens, but we had no functionality, and the systems weren't really designed back then to really be operational for people in the field. So I became a uh, a strong voice for our operational people back in the in the 80s and early 90s. Got involved in the technology aspect of it in public safety. My career, you know, public safety is a very very large user of technology, and not just from a desktop perspective. So. When I got involved in this technology at, at the public safety side, and I've transitioned into the uh, to the state IT role as well, I've al- always kind of brought to the table the user experience, the people that actually rely on this technology day to day. And in public safety, whether it be state police or corrections, they, 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 they were a very formidable group with a lot of mobile technology, a lot of demands, uh, you know, have to have redundant systems, have to have, you know, mission critical systems, operational, uh, supported, available. Um, so I think that's where my background really comes from is to really kind of bring that strong operational 
and business sense to the to the organization. Yeah, and like you said, there's so many things in pu- within public safety that have enterprise-wide applications. I, I always come back to the 911, mm-hmm. which lends itself to all kinds of things having to do with right. telecom relations and networks throughout the state, not right. to mention security. Right. So uh, absolutely, and I, I think you know the, the other component here is. Uh, is that, you know, from a public safety background, you know, we come from really a chain of command structure. uh, And, you know, building out an organization, I had the opportunity within public safety to actually uh, consolidate all of our public safety agencies' IT environment into into one, into one public safety network, one public safety data center. Uh, And we were able to do that in collaboration with all our big public safety agencies. But in the end of the day, we really had to demonstrate that we could actually prove to them that we could actually deliver the service to them. Yeah, and like I said, with security, I would think it really lends itself mm-hmm. to all kinds of different applications in an mm-hmm. enterprise-wide environment. Right. And that must be coming up all the time now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, like I said, uh, you know, from the public safety background, I, I think, you know, the, what I've always said to the folks is the, the, the IT people within the public safety and the law enforcement, you know, the first responder community, you know, the IT people that are actually deployed there are almost, you know, first responders. They're, they're actually public safety IT people. They do different missions than the regular desktop folks. And I think that's really prepared me. And the, and the organization itself throughout has always been very, very aware of security. So I think with my experience in that, it's allowed me to understand the security framework, prioritize security, and moving into this role now with a heavy emphasis on cybersecurity and, you know, protecting the, the, you know, the data assets and the information systems of the Commonwealth, you know, it's allowed me, you know, years of experience to understand how things work together, years of relationships with, you know, intelligence operations, with fusion operations, with, you know, the different IT forces within the organizations and the day-to-day people that have to manage and use the systems has provided me a great foundation framework to jump into this position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll take a short break now. Our guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. Kurt, let's talk a little bit more about your state's IT governance model. I certainly believe that in addition to having an executive champion, in your case the governor, the CIO governance model is the most, the other most critical aspect or element for state CIO success. I call it the strong versus the weak model. The weak one the weak CIO has only policy responsibilities, like many of our federal CIO colleagues, and several states. But the strong one has not only policy, but also budget approval, most importantly, operations. Massachusetts falls in the latter category. Right, Kurt? Uh, that's correct, John. Um, since uh, 2017, uh, we uh, have a – well, let me back up. In 2017, uh, the legislature, at the, at the request of the governor – uh, reorganized uh, the IT organization within the Commonwealth. Uh, we call it an Article 87. It allows the government to uh, reorganize government. And in that, uh, there was very, very strong language uh, put forward that gave, that first of all, created this cabinet-level position as secretary uh, and the CIO uh, uh, in, in, a new, in a new role. Could I, I, could I just sure. interrupt you just to ask, because I know when I was there, it had a re- I had relatively strong... Uh, operational authority. Mm-hmm. You know, I had mm-hmm. the major data centers, mm-hmm. major network, and I had the big mm-hmm. system application group. But you're right, I didn't have a whole lot of other areas in the right. state. 
that were that were still silos right. of major networks and, and data centers. Right. What was the uh, catalyst that uh, caused the governor? Was it Nunnally, or mm-hmm. how was uh, yourself, perhaps? How how did that uh, how did that kernel of information start well, to gener- generate? That's a great question. So, uh, the the start of this really uh, began when uh, Governor Bakerwood came in in 2015 in his first term, and uh, you know he took the opportunity to kind of you know survey, understand the landscape of IT. Uh, Understanding it from a perspective of performance, security, uh, you know, the the satisfaction of our customers, the ability to provide the services. You know, the state itself had, uh, you know, struggled over the years with large IT projects, you know, staffing uh, resources appropriately, you know, uh, I don't want to say trained, but, you know, having the appropriate staff on, you know, on board, you know, very difficult in today's environment to be able to kind of recruit and retain IT staff. And he, and he brought from a, he brought with him a real perspective from outside. You know, he came from, you know, an environment that was used to investing in, you know, technology. And I think that's one of the challenges we've had over the years, in my experience, up until recently, that, you know, we've not really invested the appropriate resources and priorities within our IT organization. So he brought he brought in Mark Nunnally, uh, you know, as a special advisor. And Mark uh, immediately, you know, sized up the situation, put a, put a team together, cross-functional team, cross-agency, cross-secretariat team, which included myself, at the time, when I was on public safety, and started looking at the landscape, we did some we did some uh, deep seated analysis. We looked at the financial numbers. We looked at the security. We looked at how many data centers we had. We looked at how many networks we had. You know how many desktop variations we had. You know, look at the things we've always looked at, and we've we've attempted consolidation in the past a couple of times, and we failed. It's only because I think at the time, you know, agencies could just kind of wait you out, and hopefully the CIO would go. Uh, and that's usually what happened. Uh, yeah. So this time, the governor took a different approach, appointed Mark Nunnally, uh, created this new organization in 2017 that actually gave it a cabinet-level position. And by doing that, and I think the most important component of that, I mean, we certainly have widespread, uh, wide, wide-reaching legislation and authority, but what it really, to me, what it meant the most is the governor actually made a commitment and understood the need, you know, not so much to collapse it or consolidate, but to have it at a cabinet level to make sure that we had the appropriate focus and the appropriate investment into our IT, and not ju- and, not, and not just from you know bells and whistles or not from just desktops, but really from a strategic position, making sure that you know the businesses were a part of that process, making sure that we had you know a central ap- approach to things, and we had really two kind of uh, guiding principles: uh, get digital and get secure. Uh, so that's kind of driven our transformation over the last couple of years. Uh, and really relating back to the business and making sure that, you know, we're smart on technology, you know, we make more informed decisions on technology, uh, you know, that we do it in, in, a, in an economic way, that we do it in a secure way, in an efficient way. So that's really kind of the framework. But I, like I said, I think the biggest thing uh, is we have a governor that actually understands it. And he came in in day one, and including Mark Donnelly, came in in day one, took the time to understand it, met with the people, talked to the people, whether it be the business, the IT people, uh, making sure that people that you know are going to be recruited and retained stay, that we build a competent workforce, but understand we have balance, that we you know we're not going to be able to do it all. You know, government does things very well in some areas and doesn't do it well in other areas. So, you know, we've kind of built that hybrid model uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. And did that consolidation itself? Did it involve bringing staff and resources from other departments into a, the executive office of? Uh, Technology and security, or yes. So the uh, so so the, the legislation or, or the or the Article eighty seven itself uh, accounts for that. 
Uh, it's given us the directive. It gives, it, gives, it gives us the authority to consolidate and collapse all IT staff. We, we made a decision uh, that the only staff at this point we would not uh, consume would be the local business application staff. We felt that, you know, coming to the middle from a, from a strategic point of view, all desktop services, all network, all security, all uh, uh, infrastructure services, things of that nature. And what we decided at the time and we still maintain that position is the business owns the applications mm-hmm. and will and the local IT staff at the at the capital level because they're all consolidated in within the secretariat so agencies don't really have IT staff anymore they're they're at a cabinet level okay uh, but that now, that now that being said uh, you know we're not there yet because it's been you know it's been proven that you know this is hard uh, there's a lot to do you know we're we're dealing with 25 30 years of you know, history here, uh, where some years have been very good in funding models, some not so good. Uh, we have major legacy applications that we still have to deal with. Uh, so we've 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 moved in some staff. We're actually moving in staff as as we speak today, but we've we've moved that timeline out a little bit over about a two year period. Now that said, there's still a central management, and we still have the authority, and we meet with our SCIOs. We call them Secretary of Chief Information Officers. Yeah, I was going to ask about yeah. that. Go ahead. So, so the, the, the governance model we talked a little bit about a minute ago is that myself as the Secretary of Technology, you know, I sit on the cabinet. I have eight fellow cabinets. I, I work with them in a collaborative fashion to make sure that, you know, we're working together in our business missions and also our technology and our cyber and our security uh, positions. Uh, I also, at this point, serve as a CIO, and I have a CIO cabinet where we have eight other CIOs uh, within our different cabinets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet routinely. Uh, they uh, have a dotted line report to me. They have a they have a direct line report to their cabinet secretary, which is good. Our organization has authority over all budget, authority over all uh, technology spend, uh, all policies, framework, things of that nature. But you know, we work with them collabor- collaboratively because we think it's important for them to have that voice within that cabinet to make sure that the businesses are appropriately represented and manage the local staff that's there. Yeah. Now, and the department, uh, the departments under these secretaries, mm-hmm. do they also have CIOs that kind of roll up to the cabinet secretary? Uh, so the cabinet well, CIO, right? So, 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 so each secretary does a little bit different. Uh, for example, in public safety, they'll have a uh, they have a CIO, uh, and they have they have it's a centralized organization. They do not work at the agencies at the at the management level. They work at the center, but they have responsibilities, and they'll have positions called assistant chief information officers within within that cabinet, and they have different responsibilities. One could be, you know, one could be uh, business, one could be finance, one could be you know application. So it really depends on the nature of the business. Health and Human Services actually has agency uh, CIOs, but they're not they they're there for the business perspective from an application, but they report up through the cabinet like Health and Human Services. Now they're all Health and Human Services employees. There are no agency IT employees any longer in Massachusetts. Okay. They're all cabinet level IT staff, but assigned to different okay. locations. But they report they all report up through the the okay. uh, CIO and then up to me. You know, it's interesting, and I've had this discussion with my other CIO guests over the last six months or so, and that is regarding that strong versus a weak model. Um, it's important to have the uh, the governor's support, but it's just in- as critical to have that operational authority. Mm-hmm. And frankly, every one of the CIOs now that I've talked to in here uh, who have that strong CIO position all agree that they wouldn't take the job without it. They just said policy. It's 
you know, it's very, very difficult to get anything done. Yeah, you agree? It, it, it is. It is. I mean, most definitely. I think in, in our case, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, we've had years of, uh, now I think we've gone through a, a couple of progressions. I, like I said, back in 07, 08, uh, under the previous administration, we were able to consolidate, you know, within a cabinet level, you know, the IT. So I think we made some progress. We were able to collapse some things. Uh, but it, it wasn't sustained. Public safety, we sustained it. You know, we were able to develop, uh, you know, a real good approach to it you know, with the business. And, you know, we, we made some progress, uh, not as much as we would like to, but we did we did make progress. And mm-hmm. we and I think at the end of the day, we did provide much better service and reliability and, uh, you know, security, you know, for all of our customers. Uh, but I do think, you know, at this level now where we're at today, especially with the threats of cybersecurity, uh, you know the the you know the application side of things. You know the cost, the scale of projects doing today. Uh, it's very difficult to have that real distributed, you know, management philosophy where uh, the local agency and or uh, the organization just kind of does their own thing. So this has allowed us to really set policy framework and hold people accountable. But we also we also ensure and set the standards and set you know all the all the all the enterprise standards and and we we manage the data centers we manage the network and now again we're still a little bit transition but you know we're we're almost there. Our guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and the state's Chief Information Officer. Kurt, before we leave this governance model, which you can tell I'm I'm passionate about because I find it so interesting because... You know, like I said, executive sport governance model, those are the key ingredients for your, for your success. Uh, there's an interesting issue that's arisen. As you know, uh, our, our friend, our mutual friend, Doug Robinson, a NASIO executive director, he tells us on our first show here, he said that all state CIOs are now appointed by their governor and more and more are being included in the governor's cabinet like yourself. But interestingly, several of the cabinet-level secretaries of technology often have a strong, if not predominant, economic development aspect to their portfolio. Consequently, some of them, uh, the cabinet secretaries for technology, they're not even designated as a state's chief information officer, but instead have a CIO that reports to them. This is the case in Virginia, Maryland, and several others. There's discussion. uh, In this discussion, uh, was there ever this kind of a discussion in the CIO, the secretary position in Massachusetts of whether it should be the state CIO or have, I think, what was it, McDermott that mm-hmm. was there before yep. CIO? Yep. Yeah. So, so the way the way our law is set up is that uh, uh, the executive office of technology, service, and security uh, is uh, is led by a secretary, a uh, cabinet member, uh, and within our legislation, uh, the secretary, uh, the governor, uh, appoints the secretary, and at the discretion of the governor. Uh, the secretary can also appoint a CIO. So previous to me taking this position, uh, there was a secretary, Mark Nunnally, and then Dennis McDermott was the former CIO. Uh, that was that was thought out uh, ahead of time as far as the uh, you know legislation being filed to have that cabinet-level position and created that option. Uh, at the time, Mark and Dennis, that was the model uh, that was followed. Dennis decided to uh, leave state service um, I felt it was necessary for me at this particular point in time, especially 
in the context of, you know, we're fairly new cabinet level. Uh, we've got, you know, we're under two years old. We're the newest cabinet in the block. You know, we're still, we're still you know, the baby. Uh, you know, A&F is, you know, our OMB. It's Administration of Finance. And they're, they're still the mothership in Massachusetts to all cabinets. So there's, you know, uh, you know, I joke with, and the secretary of uh, A&F is a very good friend of mine, Mike Heffernan. Uh, you know, we've built a lot of good relationships in the cabinet. So I, I joke with them. I still got the training wheels on a little bit. And they still kind of like to, you know, say, hey, don't forget this, because they are in charge of the money at the end of the day. And we, and we know that. So I felt it very important where Mark and Dennis had really started this and built the framework and foundation. I felt uh, I had to be involved from a secretary, but more importantly, as a CIO, because of my experience, because I think, you know, uh, I, I feel very strong that I have the credibility, I have the respect. I've been in the trenches. I understand what it's like being at the at the ground level, being at, at being whether it be a line person or being a an executive within an organization from the business perspective. And I felt, you know, for the next couple of years, it was very important for me to be at both so I can represent it because it's part of it is also, you know, working with a technical organization that's underneath you and all the resources and then managing, you know, kind of the strategy. I felt, you know, I could do both at this point. Now, it's not something I may want to do forever, but I think at this point in time, especially where we're so new, and I think we're at a critical point to make sure that we push this down the road and not lose focus. Another thing I think is important for me, I've been a, I'm a 44-year, you know, career public servant. Um, I'm good at it, uh, and I've made a commitment that, you know, um, I'm going to stick through. I think one of the challenges in all of our community is that, you know, CIOs come and go. They get about two years shelf life. I might be off a couple months here, and I think it's very difficult to actually, you know, achieve what you're trying to do. And I think we've suffered in Massachusetts over the years because, you know, we've had a new CIO, a new CTO come in, and then they come in and everybody changes everything, and then the next guy or gal comes in and they change it, and the, the staff that are doing the day-to-day don't know what to do. And so they inherit a mess, they create a mess, they start over again. So I've made the commitment, you know, the governor gave me this wonderful opportunity last year, uh, in May, June of last year, and I'm and I'm all in, you know. And I told him, you know, I'm, I'm I best describe myself as a grinder, you know. I'm going to come in every day. I've been doing it for 44 years, and my full intention is to do the full four years, because we still have a ways to go. And this this is hard work, and it, it takes time to get this stuff done. So that's kind of yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Well, so you got the two hats. You got the secretary's hat, and you can get the uh, state CIO's hat. So it probably didn't hurt getting that uh, extra salary for being both, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think the CIO made more than me when he was a CIO. Uh, uh, but cabinet-level positions are set by uh, a statute. And honestly, you know, uh, I'm a, like I said, I'm, I'm all in. Doesn't matter. I think I, you know, I, I actually might do this job for free. I enjoy it that much. <laughs> Not know. only did, didn't he? He absolutely did. <laughs> Dollar year man, as he I did. recall. Yep. Um, back to your organization. Tell us about your budget, your staff, leadership, senior staff, that kind of thing. It's always interesting for folks to hear. Sure. Uh, so within a, within our uh, within our office, and you know, it's 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 in transition. Uh, you know, we uh, now have. Uh, you know, we were an organization for years that was all chargeback. You know, to the to the organizations. We've since modified that approach, and you know, it's a priority of us to kind of be more transparent with our customers, meaning our partners, uh, from a chargeback perspective, do a better job of that. So, we've started this past uh, fiscal year, or I should say, last fiscal year, is to start, you know, receiving a direct appropriation uh, from the uh, general appropriation from the legislature as part of the budgeting process. Now, we're not fully there yet. We still have a big chargeback number. You know, but right now we're probably, you know, all in, 
you know, from an operational perspective, you know, $168, $170 million uh, a year. Now, a lot of that is direct charges back for procurements and things of that nature. Uh, you know, from a staffing perspective, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've got from a total body count right now, you know, we're probably north at, at, at our office right now, we're probably, probably about four, you know, 430, 440. Uh, now, that being said, there is, as, as we transition staff in from the field, you know, we'll probably end up transitioning another 100 or so in. Overall in the state, there's about 1,200 IT people. Uh, when this is all said and done, the majority of the, the staff will be within our central organization over, over a period of time. Uh, and I think, you know, as time goes on, you know, we'll look at the skill sets, look at the, at the needs. Mm-hmm. From a leadership perspective, you know we've we've been able to do a couple things uh, based on the based on the uh, statute change. Uh, we've created a chief privacy officer's position. We can ask cr- about that. Yeah, we've created a chief digital officer's position, a chief data officer's position. We have a new we have we've a statutory chief information security officer. Uh, you know we have a leadership team now that's consistent of you know uh, a tightly knit team from operations, from security, from uh, technology, along with digital. We get the four groups there. Uh, and we have some other senior leadership uh, folks as well that kind of form the, form the leadership team. And then, of course, we have our CIOs, which I think are very, very important to all this decision-making, and they're part of our family. We do not want to be making all these decisions by ourselves. You know, we, we, have, a, we have an approach, but we also know that um, it's very, very important that the, the, the CIOs of the cabinets have a say in this and they have a seat at the table and their voice is heard. You know, you may recall back 25 years ago when I – came into state service under Governor Weld. There was something then called the IT bond. Do you remember that? I certainly do. There was a lot of interest around that. And it made, I must say, it made a lot of things easier, having that pot of money and having people like, uh, uh, who's the, the, the CFO at my department? I just, his name escapes me right now. He's retired now, but he used to keep track of that IT bond. And, uh, Lou Angeloni. Lou Angeloni. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> a great, legend. Great guy from, a legend. Mars, from Marshfield. I was in situ yeah, when I yeah, was down. A there. legend. Yeah, well, he was very helpful to me. I know that uh, career. You know, a great career mm-hmm. uh, officer. But he, you know, we could control the money a lot right. better and account for it a lot right. better. But that and a lot of got got interest around the country on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody ever tried it again. Has well, that ever come up? Well, we we we've had it since you left. Oh, so, really? I yeah. didn't realize. Yes. Yeah, so we've had we've had uh, we've had variations. As a matter of fact, uh, back in I think probably '97, that bond '95 when you were there. Uh, uh, you know, we when I was a public safety, I was able to work with my folks uh, and work with your folks at the time. Uh, to Jim Bradford and Maureen Chu, some of the folks been there for the strategic planning group, your old group actually allowed me to kind of build out in a complete inmate management system at public safety, very, very, uh, you know, way ahead of its time project back back in the day. Uh, but since then, uh, we've had uh, multiple variations of the IT capital program. So just, you know, for the for you and the audience, you know, we're just finishing on our uh, another bond. We just finished five years of funding where we had uh, over the past five years, we've had about $600 million that was vet- invested into the Commonwealth. Uh, we're about to file another bond bill uh, for about the same amount uh, in the near future. Uh, you know, and again, we control it. We actually, Governor Baker, when he came in, uh, he created a uh, investment advisory board. So we actually have a governance pro- process around this now. Uh, I'm the chair. Uh, we have people from uh, Luis Gutierrez and some other senior people in the state been around for a long time. 
They give us their investment advice. They give us their you know framework. We work with the agencies to formulate the appropriate strategy, making sure you know the appropriate projects are scoped out. We do due diligence. So it's been it's been a tremendously successful program, and hundreds of millions of dollars over the past you know twenty years have been invested, and there's been some really great projects completed and. You know, it's it's been it's been a, it's been a lifesaver for the Commonwealth. And the legislature legislature is obviously in favor of it. Absolutely, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have that kind of a twenty-five year life. Absolutely, we you know we we meet with them. We go through the process and we go through the bonding committee. We work with the the state reps and legislate and the senators. They've been a great partner with us. Uh, we've we've been able to do some great things with capital funding from a community compact and you know working with our municipalities, Lieutenant Governor Polito. You know, she oversees our community contract program where we've invested over $20 million over the past several years in municipal IT and municipal cybersecurity. Through our office, we have we actually have a municipal technology office and school technology office within our organization now. So, again, been a great ride. You know, uh, we're focusing more this year on our transformation, and, you know, we have some major priorities upcoming in capital spend. Okay. We're going to talk about that. But we'll take a short break now. Our guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Welcome back to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. My guest today is Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and the state's Chief Information Officer. Uh, you know, as we discussed, Kurt, you came into your position from government service, and a lot of the uh, the CIOs that I've spoken with that come in from the private sector, they talk about the transition, the cultural issues of working in government. But, you know, spending a career in state service brings its own set of challenges, doesn't it? Because previously uh, you were working with your peers, and now a CIO, a lot of times you're overseeing them. Tell us about how you've managed to do that. Well, um, you know, great observation. I would say that, uh, you know, I think from my perspective is that, um, you know, you know, I've been, a, I've been an individual that's been in government my whole adult life. Um, you know, I think, you know, government is something that uh, you need to understand. Not everybody understands it. You have to respect it. You have to appreciate it. I think more importantly, you have to understand what public service is. You have to understand, you know, what you can, you know, wh- what the mission is, you know, recognize, you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Uh, you know, you build relationships, you show up every day. Uh, and I think over the years in my career, that's what I've been able to do. So I think jumping into this position, uh, you know, uh, bringing those skill sets and relationships and the ability to show up every day uh, and, and make that commitment and, 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 and understand uh, the environment you work in, you know, understand that sometimes it's negotiation you know, understanding the landscape, you know, whether it be, you know, um, you know, a fellow state agency or it be a state rep, a state senator, uh, it be somebody from a, a, an independent agency that you have to work with that we have no authority over from an executive branch. And it's about relationships. It's about, you know, returning a phone call. It's about, you know, you know, making a phone call. It's about information. It's about setting expectations. And it's, and it's really about showing up every day. Uh, and, you know, and be open to things uh, and don't think you have to win every fight. Uh, understanding, you know, at the end of the day, what we're all here for is to serve our constituents, uh, the people in the community that, that uh, demand and deserve our uh, utmost uh, respect and utmost uh, service. I think when you understand that, understanding also not everything is the bottom line, 
Uh, we all strive for, you know, more efficient systems and better performance and better service. But, you know, our business is really about, you know, delivery of services to people. And I think that's where, you know, when Governor Baker comes in and you see, you know, coming in and really understanding what the role of government is and how and what it is and what it's not and understanding, you know, where we can do better uh, and understanding what, you know, we probably don't do well that we need to kind of do better on. So if you put that together and you work with people and you treat people fairly with respect and dignity, uh, whether it be your fellow worker, your subordinate, your superior, you know, things usually work out. So I think that's, for me, a lesson I've learned a long time ago that I've always stuck with. Well, you know, I got to tell you, share a little story because this reminds me of it. When I was back at CIO, one of the big challenges I had was Chelsea, the opening mm-hmm. of the consolidated mm-hmm. data center. In fact, it was called a co-location yes, project absolutely. if you refer Mitzi. Because yep. nobody wanted to That's consolidate. Right. And I had to, uh, I pushed and pushed and pushed for data center consolidation. And I remember Charlie Baker one day, and he was secretary of a mm-hmm. and administration of finance said, John, you're the only one. You're the only one that's in favor of the consolidation. Mm-hmm. And I said, Charlie, I'll take that as a compliment. Yes. And of course, it eventually happened for all the strangest reasons in the world. Remember, there was a contamination of right. DMV's right. headquarters. They yep. had to move. State police headquarters yeah, there was 100 Nashua Street. Like yeah. yeah. State police headquarters was you know, a disaster. Absolutely, yeah. I remember yeah. it. Yeah. So it finally happened. Well, let's talk. You referred to it a little bit. What? Tell me some of your current major initiatives and also some that are coming up in next year's budget or the next fiscal year's budget, I should say. So, uh, yeah. So, so right now, you know, we're continuing our, uh, you know, uh, we like to call it a transformation. Uh, you know, we're working on some major initiatives right now. Uh, you know, uh, one desktop, you know, uh, one managed, uh, you know, one network, one desktop. Uh, you know, we're in the process of collapsing you know, nine cabinet, you know, uh, networks into one. Uh, now, that being said, uh, we're looking at, you know, core redesign of the network itself. Uh, we're working to uh, do, uh, like I said, have one desktop. And we've already done the work to establish the standard, but now we're talking about really, you know, one managed, uh, one active directory, you know, one, mm. you know, just be able to manage everything from the center. Uh, we're also working heavily on, uh, on, uh, on uh, security, you know, we have a huge initiative ongoing in cybersecurity in the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, you know, we're doing a lot of work in, uh, you know, penetration testing, red team testing, you know, vulnerability scanning. We put a, you know, routine programs. We're working within the center. We're working with our partners at the uh, secretariat level to make sure that we have the appropriate framework, setting expectations. You know, work with them to remediate any uh, vulnerabilities they may have. Uh, that's been an ongoing initiative. Uh, we're working. Uh, we're rolling out Office 365 in the cloud. You know, we're, we have another major initiative, uh, identity access and management. Uh, what are you doing in that area? Are, the, are these procurement? Are there be procurements related to these? Uh, some of some of these are already underway. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, Office 365 is uh, about halfway done. You know, uh, we're uh, working with. Uh, we've implemented a uh, Centrify. Uh, solution for identity access and management, and we're just moving into multi-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, some of our organizations have been there for a while, like public safety introduced multi-factor authentication years ago, mm-hmm. but at the Commonwealth level, we're just starting to roll that out. So that's underway. We'll be doing some more. You know, I think uh, the, another major area that we're working on is, uh, you know, digital. We're doing a ton of work on redesigning our mass.gov environment. We're really going to spend a lot of time next year in business intelligence, uh, the governor is a huge guy on data and numbers, you know, as you know from the past, you know, he's all about it. You know, uh, you know, we're working on programs to incent our business partners to start thinking 
more about business analytics and biz building it into the business applications, things of that nature. You know, we're looking at, you know, standing up some additional security services. We're, we have a major initiative to, to go to cloud. Uh, you know, we're doing AWS right now. We have some Azure. Again, that's an area that, you know, again, you know, we've, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not as easy as I think when just people throw out cloud. It's a lot of work, a lot of effort. So, yeah. You know, we've got we've got a mandate. Um, do you have a mandate of yeah, cloud-first strategy? We, we do have a cloud-first strategy. Um, for new uh, procurements. Yeah, for, for new procurements, new for new projects. procurements. And, yeah, and we're you know, from the old legacy. We've, we've moved some of the legacy stuff up there as well that we felt would be better positioned in there. Now, that said um, – not ready to sell Chelsea yet. No, not yet. Not yet. We <laughs> we still we still have on prem. You know, we have a backup data center in Springfield, and we have a the primary in uh, in Chelsea. But but again, I think you know you know we we're we're there. We're not afraid of it. But I think you know we're we're doing our due diligence. We're doing our homework on it because you know I think it, it's it's a big lift at times for the business, and then you know the financial models that go with it. So you know we certainly have that um, we certainly have that uh, direction. <clears throat> Excuse me, but. Excuse me, but uh, you know we're, we're we're making sure we're making the right decisions for the right reasons. I would say. Uh, is there a, a new strategic plan underway or about to come out? I was looking around your your uh, website and I wasn't so, sure. So here's here's where we're at on that. Uh, when uh, the governor came in and you know we we commissioned uh, a new approach, uh, and we we put really a, a two year two to three year transformational plan together. Uh, so I wouldn't really call it, you know, a strategic plan for the long term. Uh, we're about to get into that uh, going forward this year in FY20, starting in July, uh, to do a better job in aligning our uh, secretariats and our businesses. Uh, you know, we, we like to refer to it as, you know, have a strategic plan, but also have a roadmap for technology. So, you know, like I said, the last couple of years we've been focused on some immediate needs that we wanted, and again, focusing on get digital, get secure. Uh, and those are the kind of transformational work streams we've been working on. But from a strategic point of view, we're, we're, we're about to kind of engage to make sure that, because I think one area we lack still is even though we're this, you know, we have this new authority, you know, we need to make sure that our, our 150 plus agencies and our cabinet level, you know, and us are all on the same page. You know, we have all this framework and policy and set expectations, but I'm not sure if we really have a fully baked uh, strategic plan there yet. Mm. So we, we will be engaged and do that sometime in FY20. You know, I'm referring back to, to NASIO, their uh, CIO survey that came mm -hmm. out last fall. And various uh, – your colleagues around the country have some very innovative approaches mm -hmm. to workforce hiring, recruiting, mm -hmm. training, and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. you doing anything different in Massachusetts? I know it's a problem. I don't even have to ask if it's a challenge. So. Well, I, we are. As a matter of fact, uh, we uh, – you know, based on based on, you know, the review we did back in 15 and the creation of this organization – one of the one of the areas that was highlighted was the the need to uh, address the uh, recruitment and retention of you know skilled IT set um, in today's market in today's world. You know Boston is a very competitive market, very expensive area to live. And salaries are really decent. We've always struggled with salaries, and you know from a from a new skill set. You know we still have a we have a fairly aging IT workforce with some older skill sets. So, you know, we put a program together. So within our organization, we actually have an, an IT recruiting team of four people. They actually just won an award within the state, and we provide IT recruiting services for all the agencies. Uh, and it's worked out very well. And we do, we do both on full-time employees and contractors as well, that we have a team that actually understands the market, they understand how to recruit, 
uh, and we've it's been a, it's been a godsend. I think we probably over the past couple of years, you know, we've brought in probably over a hundred people, uh, especially in the security space, CIS, CISOs, and others, uh, CIOs as well. And, we're, and we work with the business, so we we want to make sure that the local IT team. And the, and the business, because I, my personal philosophy, and, I, and, and it's my team's philosophy, is that, you know, we need to make sure that we recruit the best and the brightest, uh, understanding what state service is, you know, what the package is. But we also need to make sure they can align themselves and work within the business as well, because not everybody does well in government and different factions of government. You know, public safety, working as a chief medical examiner's office doing IT is much more different than working in an office in a, in a, in a building. So, so we've built that portfolio up. Been very successful. We're also we're also looking at uh, you know reclassification of our IT titles. You know we still have IT titles from the 1970s. You know mainframe computer operators and EDP systems analysts. My picture's probably still. It's on the probably wall on the wall. Uh, so uh, so we're working you know with our uh, human resources division, who by the way has been a fantastic partner in all this, along with and I and I be I. You know, I, I don't want to forget how important our administration and finance division is because whatever we're able to do and to modernize our systems and our workforce, we could not do without them. And they're they're the, actually the, the the you know they're they're the they're the banker, but they're also a partner here, uh, and we and we go at it equal because they have control from an administration and budgeting, which you know can be a great tool to do this. Yeah, it's always nice to be nice to the people that control it's the first strings, right? Absolutely, the budget department. Abs- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just another question or two. Procurement, mm-hmm. always a big issue. Yes. I remember the headaches I had back when I did those first day telecommunication right. consolidation mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. I think we called it uh, SIN. It's Calent. We did yep. it in California, mm-hmm. too. Any uh, any work on that front about reforming the procurement Indeed. or acquisition policies? Indeed. So, um, in, in matter of fact, uh, two things. Uh, yes, uh, you know, and as we all know, IT procurement is certainly a challenge. And I think, you know, again, being in government uh, – Procurement's just a challenge anyway. In Massachusetts, I'm sure, as like every other state, we have certain procurement laws and certain bureaucracies and certain, you know, processes and a lot of people, a lot of touch points on these things uh, all over the place. Everybody needs a piece of the pie. Uh, so, again, that was that was an area that was looked at going into this new uh, organization. So we have uh, done a couple things. One is that, uh, you know, we, have, we actually have authority within our legislation to establish uh, procurement policies for IT – in which our state operational services division, which is our state procurement officer, and the state comptroller who does the accounting, uh, we get to establish the framework for a procurement, and they have to abide by our policies. Now that said, you know they certainly have their independent statutes on their ability to kind of manage procurements and, and accounting. We get that, so we're working collaboratively, collaboratively together to do that. You know we're looking at to make sure that uh, you know we have the appropriate. Contracts in place. You know, we still use master service contracts. We have a, we have a protocol, but you know, we're working, and I'm working personally with our state chief procurement officer to really establish a better way to do things. One of the areas I think we've struggled with, and we're trying to get over the hump here, is you know, in today's world, what type of technology services you know are needed. You know, you know, years ago we didn't really care much. Well, I shouldn't say we didn't care, but we didn't really have a big need to do like these security services that we do today. Mm-hmm. Cloud was never even thought of. You know, ten years ago, five years ago, so. We're working to, you know, adjust the contracts and the procurement processes. Our office, at the end of the day, has authority over all IT procurement in the state from an executive branch perspective. Now, we're not we're not being the big hammer, but we're starting to set the framework and try to make the procurement simpler. So that it's a work in progress. We're not there yet, but it's, it's, it's a work in progress. One last question, Kurt. Uh, 20 seconds. How do you uh, – new vendors, how do you like vendors to approach you? 
I'm available at any time. Uh, you know, I recently did a NASIO call, and it was a great call. Got a lot of feedback. You know, I, I've, I've taken the position since I've come into the office last year uh, that I'll meet with folks. Uh, uh, you can reach out to my assistant. Uh, you know, I like to learn what's going on. I like to have a conversation. I like to have a communication. It helps me kind of think about things. So I'm, I'm accessible anyway, email, phone, office, and, you know, if I have time, I'll make it available. I felt the same way. My father Absolutely. was spent 35 years of the federal government. Yeah. So I always felt that uh, as public servants, we owed it to them. Absolutely. They paid our salary. Absolutely. You know? and I, and it, all, which we all felt I, that I, way. I will <laughs> say that I do not have that no mentality. I, I just don't because I think, you know, vendors can play a huge role in, in, in our success, you know, they can teach us things. We can work together to get stuff done. We know they're in the business to make money, and we're in the business to make, you know, to do good work. So I used to use them as spies. Nothing wrong with that. They'd be wandering around. They learn more about what's going on sometimes than my own team. Absolutely. Did. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, all in. All right. Thanks, Kurt. With that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Kurt Wood, Cabinet Secretary at the Massachusetts Executive Office of Technology Services and Security and State Chief Information Officer. Thank you for listening. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.